Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to our record-breaking third episode of our monthly podcast, EE Waves, The Sound of SMEs. I am Glenn Cezanne, Secretary General of the European Enterprise Alliance, and I'm here with our president, Marcin Ovacki, who's also vice president of our founding member, the Polish Union of Entrepreneurs and Employers. Hello, everyone. So today we'll be talking about an EU minimum wage and the complexities and challenges that arise from this idea. On 28th of October last year, the European Commission proposed a directive on adequate minimum wages in the EU. The rationale behind this proposal is the implementation of the European pillar of social rights, something we discussed in our last episode. That is correct. So indeed, uh, you, Martin, mentioned that the implementation of the European pillar of social rights would be bad for SMEs. To quote you, Rebooting the economy after the crisis while ensuring green and digital transition represents a challenge that the EU will have to face in the coming years. However, it is important to realize that these tasks cannot be completed without generating economic growth. Therefore, a sustainable policy needs to take under consideration interests of the entrepreneurs who bear the burden of providing jobs for Europeans. The European pillar of social rights is a set of the social policy directions. The pillar consists of 20 general rules on the social and working conditions. We need, we should not forget, however, that the pillar is not a legal act, but merely an unbinding political declaration. Aside from the legal concerns on which we will evaluate later on, we are concerned that the directive on the European minimum wage does not reflect capabilities of individual countries and might have an adverse effect on the quality of working conditions. Let us not forget that an ever-increasing number of people across Europe is working on zero-hours contracts or are self-employed. Forcing member states to increase labor standards will undoubtedly lead to more people becoming self-employed and hence being deprived of majority of their employees' rights. As we know, monthly minimum wages vary significantly around the EU. Um, in 2015, it was 184 euros in Bulgaria, but at the same time, 1,500 euros in Belgium or in the Netherlands. How does this reality play into your approach? Hmm. One may say that the minimum wage rate reflects the level of economic development of a given country. But it should be remembered that some highly developed countries do not have any national regulation establishing a minimum wage rate at all. For example, Norway. So you as the Union of Entrepreneurs and Employers and we as the EEA have brought out several position papers to this end, which you can find on the relevant website to your listeners. To build on what you have said uh, in our position papers, and here I quote the, uh, the one from the EEA, the countries viewed as less economically development, uh, developed tend to increase the minimum wage rate, uh, rates much faster and more efficiently than the wealthiest countries of the EU. Again, Bulgaria, which I mentioned before, increased their minimum wage by 100% between 2007 and 2015. On the other hand, uh, Lithuania, the meanwhile, increased their minimum wage by 73%. In the same period, the minimum wage in Belgium rose by approximately only 20%. In Ireland, the minimum wage rate didn't change at all between 2008 and 2015. And on the other hand, in Poland, the minimum wage is about to reach the point of 950 euros, while in 2015, it was 409 euros. 
Well, this really makes the excellent point or even raises the question, is there really a need of regulation of minimum wages? The data that you have just quoted confirms that the group of countries we are, which are catching up consistently makes the social and labor regulations approach more and more ambitious. And what about uh, from the perspective of competition? Do you believe it undermines competitiveness? Absolutely. The European pillar of social policy is intended to be soft law. It gives directions of development for the member countries' social and labor policies. Meanwhile, it seems like it is used to unify the standards of social protection and labor regulations across the EU in direct contravention of treaty provisions. This scheme leads to limiting the competition within the member state. And a negative impact is also to be expected when looking at competition and the job market jointly, correct? Yes. Introducing an EU-wide minimum wage policy would undermine the job market, which in turn would weaken the standard of living of workers and their working conditions. To illustrate, with a view of avoiding rising labor costs due to the introduction of an EU minimum wage policy, employers and employees would seek other options such as part-time work or indefinite employment contracts. We believe that especially the SME sector will be hit the hardest to this end, strongly reducing their capacity to be competitive. You touched upon a legal question when you previously mentioned soft law, uh, and as such that the pillar is non-binding, essentially. Exactly. And this is why any relevant initiative should be non-binding. Section 18 of the European Pillar of Social Rights, preamble states, and now it is my turn to give you a quote or reference. At union level, the European Pillar of Social Rights does not entail an extension of the union's powers and tasks as conferred by the treaties. It should be implemented within the limits of those powers. So if I may emphasize here, social rights are primarily the competences of the member states as the principle of subsidiarity is clearly defined. And uh, now my turn to quote again, <laughs> section 19 of the EPSR preamble uh, states, the establishment of the European pillar of social rights does not affect the right of member states to define the fundamental principles of their social security systems and manage their public finances, and must not sig significantly affect the financial equilibrium thereof. Um, the European Commission bases its intentions to introduce the minimum wage policy in Article 153, Section 1 of the Treaty of the Functioning of the EU, which provides that, and here's another quote, uh, the Union shall support and complement the activities of the member states. Well, having said that, Martin, is unfortunately that point where you have to conclude for today. So any concluding remarks from your side? I would just like to re-emphasize the conundrum, the ambition of an EU minimum wage brings in real terms. There are vast discrepancies in regulations between individual member states. The Commission even recognizes it when looking at the distinction between statutory minimum wages and a collective bargaining system. It is an extraordinarily difficult context to find even basic EU-wide minimum standards. Member states adopt the minimum wage approach 
in accordance to the local economic and social realities. Actually, labor markets vary not only at country level, but also from region to region, or even at city level. Setting up a common minimum wage level for the whole country is already faulty policy. Therefore, establishing regulation for the whole EU to this end would be a hazardous project. So there you have it, dear listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in to our podcast. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to write to Cezanne at enterprisealliance.eu. You will also find, as mentioned before, relevant position papers on enterprisealliance.eu and zpp.net.pl. Thank you again, Marcin. Thank you, Glenn, and see you for our next podcast. Very much looking forward to it. Dear listeners, stay healthy and stay tuned.